This is the Aspen Public Radio newscast. I'm your host, Caroline Yanez, in for Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories of the day. Aspen City Council is considering changes to its demolition allotment system after criticisms from newer members of the council. In 2022, the city capped the number of residential demolition projects that could take place in city limits at six per year, with a little bit of flexibility. The system was meant to combat the impacts of demolition projects, like increased neighborhood noise, carbon emissions, and more construction waste in the landfill. The lottery to receive one of the permits gives preference to, quote, long-time locals. Mayor Tory says he'd like to see the definition of longtime locals be reduced from 35 years of residency to 20 or 25. But what I do want to have some sort of safeguard around is just an open market for any and all properties to be purchased, demoed, and changed in use from residential to investment properties. Councilor Bill Guth has said he wants to eliminate the program entirely because he doesn't feel that it solves any of the problems it's attempting to address. He says if they have to keep it, he'd rather the age of a home be weighted over years of residency. Staff at the Roaring Fork School District want to know how to make students and families feel safer at school. That's why they're hosting forums this week to see where families think resources should be going. At Roaring Fork High School on Monday, some staff advocated for closing campuses, which means locking outside doors during the day and tightening up security for visitors. Dustin Gehrig is the city's safety and security coordinator. He says one of the biggest vulnerabilities he sees for student safety is the district's open campuses. Um, especially the way it's run here in the district. We have a lot of open doors in the middle of the day for about 45 minutes, people coming and going. We have no accountability. We don't know who's in our building. We can't monitor that many doors. Gehring says this is a hot-button topic in the district and would require a large culture shift among students. Carbondale police officers were also at Monday's meeting to discuss the school resource officer program. They're hoping to add another officer in Carbondale Middle School. World Cup ski racing is back in town this weekend for the Stiefel Aspen Winter National. Kaya Williams has more on how to watch the competition. This year's races are considered tech events, with a giant slalom on Friday and Saturday and a slalom on Sunday. That means athletes will make lots of tight, quick moves down the course instead of carving big, sweeping turns like they would for a speed event. Spectating is free at the grandstands by the finish line, located near the base of the Shadow Mountain chairlift on the west side of the ski area. But if you're a skilled skier yourself and have a lift ticket to get up the hill, you can also watch from the sidelines of the race course. There are a few scattered locations to watch the event on the slopes, including a fan zone near Lazy 8 Gully and Tower 7 Road. For the GS races on Friday and Saturday, the infamous airplane turn below the Ruthie's chairlift is also a popular spot. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. The races will also be live-streamed on Outside Plus, and Aspen Public Radio will broadcast the race calls from Friday morning's GS event. The Roaring Fork School District has announced its three finalists for the superintendent position. Interim Superintendent of Roaring Fork Schools, Anna Cole, Assistant Superintendent of Aspen School District, Theron Mulberry, and Brian Wilson, the Superintendent of the Brush School District in Northeast Colorado. 
The superintendent's search began in December, after the school board severed its contract with former superintendent Dr. Jesus Rodriguez in the fall. Next week, the finalists will spend time touring the district and participating in a community engagement process. The public is invited to hear directly from the candidates during a meet-and-greet on March 7th at the district office starting at 4 p.m. A winter storm that rolled in later than expected this week brought more than enough snow to make up for its tardiness. Local ski areas have recorded more than a foot of fresh powder since Monday night, and even more in some windblown areas. Aspen Mountain got so much that the snow stake looks practically buried, while Aspen Highlands, Snowmass Ski Area, and Buttermilk Mountain have almost maxed out their storm total measuring sticks. Down at Sunlight Mountain Resort near Glenwood Springs, the snow stake has recorded more than half a foot of snow from this storm. An Aspen High School senior is getting national recognition for her accomplishments. Mino Konfaruki has been named a finalist in the National Merit Scholarship Program for her PSAT scores and her high academic performance throughout her four years at the school. She's one of about 15,000 students in the entire country to have been named a finalist. Konfaruki will find out if she's been named a Merit Scholar next month. In a statement, AHS's principal wrote how proud the school community was of her academic achievements and also commended her leadership in extracurriculars as well. In statewide news, state lawmakers are considering a bill that would make it a crime to falsify votes from the Electoral College during a presidential race. KUNC's Lucas Brady-Wood says it's one of several measures intended to increase election security ahead of November's general election. Each state has a group of electors who officially cast votes for president. In 2020, supporters of former President Donald Trump organized fake electors in an attempt to change that election's outcome. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold says even though the attempts failed, they threatened to undermine the entire election process. If the fake elector scheme would have worked, it would have disenfranchised 81 million American voters who cast a ballot for the presidential candidate who won. The bill would make it a Class 1 misdemeanor to serve as a fake elector or to organize fake electors. It's one of the first of its kind in the U.S. Another election reform bill pending at the Capitol would make it illegal to distribute so-called deepfakes, AI-generated images or videos of candidates. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. Last week, Colorado launched its first online resource to help keep track of gun violence in the state. CPR's Lauren Antonoff-Hart reports. The website features an interactive dashboard with data related to firearm injuries and deaths in Colorado. It also provides information on Colorado gun laws, safe storage best practices, and other firearm-related topics. The resource bank was created by the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment in conjunction with the Colorado School of Public Health. Officials hope it will provide valuable data and help to prevent firearm-related injury. I'm Lauren Antonoff-Hart. CPR News. Colorado's new free school meals program is so popular, it's created a budget deficit. Here's CPR education reporter Jenny Brandeem. More children eating the meals and higher inflation than expected have fueled a $24 million shortfall. Some are worried now that two other parts of the ballot measure will be delayed, raising cafeteria workers' wages and giving grants for schools to buy local produce. Al Stone with Valley Roots Food Hub in the San Luis Valley says she knows one producer who's planted $20,000 worth of broccoli for schools. 
Because of the shortfall, does that mean he doesn't have that market anymore? The legislature's Joint Budget Committee will discuss various options on Thursday. Jenny Brandine, CPR News. Family registration for Colorado's Universal Preschool program opens tomorrow. All children in the state can register for up to 15 hours a week of funding in their preschool year before kindergarten. They may be eligible for additional hours based on other factors. This is the second year of the UPK program, and this year the Colorado Department of Education has introduced a new qualifying factor for children in poverty. Kids who live at or below 100 percent of the federal poverty guidelines can receive funding for full-day preschool or 30 hours per week. Registration for a known provider registered with the state will be open until the end of March, and families seeking a provider will receive a match in April and July. According to CDE, over 2,000 child care providers are enrolled in the UPK program. State lawmakers are trying to create better protections for healthcare workers against violence. A new bill would require healthcare and behavioral health workplaces to come up with a violence prevention plan and establish a committee to manage it and provide training around the plan. If workplace violence does happen, management would be required to offer support services to impacted staff. The bill was approved by a legislative committee yesterday. Next, it moves to debate on the House floor. In regional news, the current western mega drought was already historic, but a new study shows it's unlike anything we've seen going back to the 1500s. As KUNC's Alex Hager explains, scientists looked at tree rings to add centuries of context. The big difference? This drought is fueled by heat. That's causing drier soils and making droughts more frequent, intense, and widespread. Researcher Karen King with the University of Tennessee says the uptick in heat is driven by human-caused climate change. We know that extreme heat has consequences. We know that drought has consequences. And so when they're compounded together, right, we can expect that those vulnerabilities are only going to be magnified. Those consequences include major strain on the Colorado River. It supplies water to about 40 million people across the southwest, and leaders are struggling to rein in demand as the river supply dwindles. I'm Alex Hager. Prescribed fire is an effective tool to make catastrophic wildfires less likely. Now, federal land management agencies are expanding training for those important burns. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse reports. In a recent Forest Service strategy document, officials are blunt about the situation they face. Conducting prescribed burns is getting more complicated, the document says. But the ability of practitioners to hone their expertise has lagged, particularly in the western United States. But a new program, the Western Prescribed Fire Training Center, seeks to address that training gap. The first class is already burning and receiving training in Oklahoma for the next couple weeks. Additional sessions will be held this year in Boise, Flagstaff, and elsewhere. Alex Robertson is the acting director of fire and aviation at the Forest Service's D.C. office. He says that increasing the amount of prescribed burning is all about taking advantage of the windows that Mother Nature provides. And if we're not nimble enough, if we're not prepared enough, if we're not skilled enough to take advantage of every window, we're not going to get more done. Robertson says that doing the training at sites around the West will give trainees experience with different fuel types and varying community sentiment toward prescribed fire. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. The Aspen Public Radio newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Kaya Williams, your usual host, Eleanor Bennett, and me, Caroline Yanez. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.